KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I'll get nervous for every game. I'll, I'll be, you know, pitting my stomach all day. And, you know, when that goes away, then I know it's time. But again, it, it always, it, it matters so much, the group you got. You got to have a good group that you want to go into every day and that they buy in. And, and I'm fortunate. I'm lucky. I've, I've, been, I've been blessed over the years with such great kids. And our guest this week, Laura Hogan. She is the head women's basketball coach at Division Three Delaware Valley University. Made the trip all the way from Doylestown into our studios. And Laura, thanks so much for taking the time. Sure, thanks for having me. So let's start. We're recording this last week of September. Is there a point when the upcoming season starts to become real? Is it like the first workout? Is it the first day of classes? Is it sometime during the summer when it stops being like, intangibles about setting the schedule and recruiting and it starts to become all right this is my group let's get to work I think it starts in preseason you know when you get the girls and you're starting to get them in shape get them in the weight room things like that I think the difference for us this year is for the first time you get eight extra days that you can kind of be in the gym with your girls before October 15th so it does seem like this year it's coming a lot faster than in the past because you know, you want to make the best of those eight days that you have. So I feel like we're in the swing of it, but it still won't feel truly official till the 15th for me. All the years you've coached, has the anticipation of seasons changed? How you, like, do you get excited earlier, later? Is it a constant, you know, has that ebbed and flowed over your career? I guess when you know you're good, <laughs> it's, if you got good players coming back, then yeah, I, I think, you know, you get more excited earlier than, than later. And, um, you know, for me, for this year, it's, we've got a nice group coming back. We were pretty young last year and, um, to return them all. And we're excited about the, the new kids we brought in. So yeah, it's been, It's been fun through the summer trying to slowly prepare for us to get started. Has life changed a lot? We hear so much in college sports, mostly at the Division One level, things like the transfer portal, NIL. Has that filtered down to stuff that comes across your desk as much? I mean, transfers have always been a a thing, but is it something that is much more prevalent or has it not really affected your program that much? Um, It really hasn't. I mean, we've been lucky over the past. We've had a couple transfers here and there that have worked out, you know, great for me. I mean, obviously, back in my very first year of coaching, I was able to get a transfer, Lisa DeBonventura, which, you know, probably go down as one of my best transfers ever. But, you know, the portal, yeah, we're on it. But for Division Three, for our school, I don't say that it's... It hasn't affected my program that much, no. You were a star player growing up. What's your earliest basketball memory? I would say high school, playing for St. Hubert's, getting to the playoffs, playing against Archbishop Wood down at the Palestra, down at at St. Joe's at the time. Um, So, yeah, my my high school career, we were pretty good. Our high school was known for for basketball. So I think it started there and kind of gave me the love that I knew I wanted to continue. When was the point when you started to realize that you were pretty good at basketball? Maybe you were getting picked earlier than everyone else, getting a little more attention. Was there a tangible moment? I would say, yeah, as I was younger, I I was kind of probably on the different travel teams, you know, probably the better player. And then I would say in high school, I I made varsity as a sophomore, which was something that really didn't happen much at St. Hubert. So that was kind of a big moment for me. Um, But yeah, I would say I would say probably high school. Yeah. Describe your game. Give us a scout of you as a player. I like to shoot. I like the ball in my hands. Uh, I would probably say I was more of an offensive player than a defensive player. But uh, when I went to college, I wanted to be the two guard and the shooting guard. And uh, I needed to play the point. And I kind of fought it for a little bit. But then 
I really enjoyed it because now, again, I had the ball in my hands and I could control, you know, when I could shoot, when I when I couldn't. So, um, yeah, more of a more of a shooter, I would say, was was my strength. Do you remember the moment when you bought into the point guard thing? Was there a game or a practice where it kind of clicked how much you could do with this? Yeah, I think it was probably my sophomore year of college when I kind of had to make the switch. And um, yeah, and we were good and we started to win and um, I could see success. You know, I was still being able to shoot, which is what I wanted to do, but I was still being able to control the team and kind of be the leader and now take on that role as far as, you know, leading us with the ball at the same time. So, yeah, I would say my sophomore year of of college, I started to kind of turn the corner. When you started looking at colleges, what sold you on going to DelVal? Uh, I wanted to play right away, and uh, the coach that recruited me, um, Coach Penno, he promised me I'd play right away, and you know, so I, I really got it down to Delval and Scranton and Elizabethtown. They were kind of the three I was looking at, and um, Delval was a little closer to home. Scranton was a little further, so when I just went up for a visit, and I just kind of fell in love with the campus. I liked the way it looked, and. Um, just the closeness, and um, for some reason, when I when I went up there compared to my other visits, something clicked with me with Delval, and I made it home. So you talk about playing right away. Was the the jump from high school to college tangible? Like, did it take adjustments, like speed of the game, stuff like that, or was it? Were you pretty comfortable that it was? I don't know that it's ever seamless, but it was just like, okay, we're going to be okay. Yeah, I didn't find it that difficult. I thought the jump was pretty – I was able to just jump right in. It didn't – yeah, I didn't see that being a problem, no. So what are some of your favorite memories from your college days at DelVal? From me as a player? Yes. Um, Geez, we – Beating Scranton was always a big one. Scranton was always known as the powerhouse, but um, we were able to beat them when I was a player and, and get into a tiebreaker uh, with them. Elizabethtown tournaments, just different tournaments that we won. And um, I think it was my junior year. We were ranked in the region and, um, you know, we were pretty good. So the every game was a big game and um, just we, we were it was good. It was a good environment. We were competitive. I got along with my teammates really well. It was I enjoyed all four years. I had a great college experience. I really did. Do you feel like you looked at the game like a coach? Like you might not have realized it then, but now do you look back and did you see the game through? coach's eyes in certain ways? I think at times I did. I think as I got older and matured and I was into my, you know, junior and senior year, I did. I, I thought that I kind of had that relationship as the point guard with my head coach and I felt like I was kind of the, you know, the coach on the floor at times. So I do think I I ran us, I controlled us. So I do think as a coach, yeah, I huddled us. I was the one that was getting on people if they weren't doing what they needed to be doing. So I thought I took on that role. You know, I wasn't big on, uh, I'm not big on the drama. I didn't like the off the court stuff, all that drama stuff that happened. So I kind of kept that under wraps as well. I thought as, as the point guard and the captain of our team, I tried to limit limit all that stuff. That said, did you always figure you would get into coaching? I wasn't sure. I, you know, that's a good question. I, I remember getting ready to graduate and literally sitting in the with my brother and being upset, like I don't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I did. I didn't know what to do without basketball. And then some job, you know, the St. Archbishop Wood job was open, and um, I was lucky enough to get contacted by um, Tom Shirley and down at it was Textile and Science at the time, and I went down and interviewed with him and. I was his assistant for seven years, and then, uh, you know, as I was there, I knew I wanted to do it full-time. What did you learn from Tom Shirley, good friend of mine, uh, known him for years, 
uh, one of the elite women's basketball coaches, not just in the region, in the country. What were some things you learned those years? Um, Well, you know, it's funny because I was quiet when I went on his staff and, um, you know, he it was Tom's way or no way. And I think what made our relationship work was that after I was there with him for a year or two, I kind of could come back at him. And we kind of then just had a good relationship. Like a lot of people were afraid to kind of question him or say anything to him, but I kind of did. And then he allowed me to coach. He allowed me to, you know, he'd give me half of the team and go down one end and I could work with them. And, um, you know, he would allow me to go recruiting and then get back to him on, you know, this kid's worth this much money. She's yes or no. Or so he he gave me a lot of not power, but he allowed me to kind of go into different areas of coaching and and really I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you enjoy it right away? Like, did it take with you right away? Or was there a, a little bit of a, I <laughs> no, don't know? No, I, I didn't like him right away. <laughs> and he knows that. He was tough in the beginning. But it wasn't until, like I said, we kind of um, got on the same page. And then I and then I did like it right away. I enjoyed it. There was nothing like game day. Nothing like, you know, like it just flowed. And, and I was happy. I, I liked what I was doing. Like, I was happy being an assistant. But then when DelVal opened up, it was, you know, it was an opportunity for me. So, yeah. But with Tom, it was um, ups and downs. It was a little, uh, you know, rocky at first, but uh, it was all worth it. I, You know, I'm forever grateful for him giving me the opportunity for everything I learned from him. And, you know, he'll tell you I still run a lot of his offenses and I still use a lot of his stuff. But it was a great experience. So when that DelVal job comes open, I mean, obviously it's your alma mater. So regardless of the circumstances, that's going to turn your head. But were you kind of to the point in your career where even if it's not DelVal, that you kind of felt like you were ready to take the step to take over a program? Or did the the fact that it was DelVal accelerate your thought process of, of becoming a head coach? You know, I wasn't sure. I, I was I did question it a little bit. I was more concerned with, at that level, we had scholarship. So I was a little concerned. I was so used to the scholarship, and I found that recruiting was a little easier with scholarship. So I was a little hesitant of anything was just that it was division three. There aren't really scholarships, but you know, when I went back up there, obviously the athletic director, Frank Wolfgang, you know, was great to me and it was a great fit. It was, it worked out. So I I think a little bit, I was not sure if I was absolutely ready, but obviously once I got in there and then it just fit. Were you nervous at all taking a head coaching job where you were a player or where you were a star? Like, I feel like there's like an extra level of, I don't know what to call it, but you've got a rep as a star at DelVal. And if you go there and you coach and it doesn't work out, right. things are weird. And was that something you thought about or were you kind of too young and it was just a head coaching opportunity somewhere you knew and you loved and you thought it was going to be fun? Because that would be like the first thing that would go through my mind. Like, I always go worst case. Like, right. boy, if I go here and it sucks and I right. suck, boy, this is not going to be fun. Yeah, I guess I had a little bit of that, but in my mind, I came back. I was the all-time leading scorer. Mm-hmm. I, at the time, I was, you know, the best player through the program, and I really didn't think about failing. I, I knew I had to recruit. You know, it's the name of the game if you want to win, and uh, and I just got after it. And yeah, I, I don't know that I had pressure from that. It was just nice for me to be back. It was, yeah, it just was a good. I was away for seven years, and when I came back, it was, you know, it's like home again. Did you know what you didn't know as far as what goes into being a head coach? Because you talked about how Tom Shirley lets you do a lot of things, but there are a lot of things that fall under your umbrella that maybe sometimes you don't realize it until you're the person sitting at the desk. Did you have moments like that? I did. Yeah, there were times that you realize, you know, 
at that level, you do you have to do everything. You have to worry about everything. And yeah, so there was a lot of a uh, lot of things, a lot of long days. But yeah, there was learning curves through the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was the biggest thing you didn't realize you had to worry about that became the biggest part of your day, day to day? I think the biggest thing, you know, and again, so long ago, recruiting was so different than it is now. Like, and I just knew, I realized in the recruiting process that you had to be at these kids' games. You had to be seen, you know, twice a week for the parents to see how much you want them. So it was just making sure that I was... Everywhere I could be showing kids how much I wanted them to come play at Del Val. And I just remember thinking, wow, it was just every night I was out recruiting every for first couple years until I could get my own players in there and, and change the culture a little bit. Yeah. Talking about the culture, was it a difficult, more difficult from an X and O talent standpoint or culture standpoint, getting things where you wanted them to be? It was more of just getting better players in there and players that could respond to how I wanted to coach. And, um, you know, when I took over, they were losing games every game by an average of 20 points. So it was they were used to losing and that was okay and stuff like that. And so it was I needed to bring in my own. Once I got my own players, then I think I kind of decided how I wanted to coach, you know, like even this year, I I could say I'd love to play this way, but if I don't have the horses to do it, I can't do it. So I think it took me a while to first get the kind of kids I thought I, I needed to fill each spot. And then once I had them, then I kind of tried to decide how I wanted to coach, you know, and I think for me, if I looking back, I, I think I'm a player's coach. I have great relationships with so many of my players and been at their weddings and their baby showers and all of that. And, um, you know, I try to be and, you know, what you see is what you get. I'm honest with you. I'll communicate with you. And um, I think that's helped me along the way. And I, I started out that way. And I feel like I've stayed that way. So this was 96. You took over the program. Does that sound right? Yes, I think so. So putting aside the fact that you're alma mater, but you're taking over a program that, as you mentioned, had one handful of games, and when they lose, it's not competitive. On one hand, that obviously makes it harder because it's a steeper mountain to climb. But on the other hand, did it make it easier that you were able to kind of set things and listen, what you've been doing didn't work. So right. it made it easier to right. kind of set your own way and get, get people to buy in. Did, right. did, did that help? It did. And, you know, that wasn't easy at first because some kids did buy in and some didn't. And some kids quit because they didn't like the way it was going. So it, it was an adjustment. It was there were definitely days that then I thought, should oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe she's going to quit now, too. But again, back then, it, it was what it was. You're either going to buy in or you're not. So um, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Yeah. We need to take a break. We will have more with Delaware Valley University head women's basketball coach Laura Hogan right after this. This is one on one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Laura Hogan, head women's basketball coach at Division Three Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. Do you remember your first win as a head coach? I do. I do. It was up at, we were in um, the College of New Jersey, Trenton College, I guess it was called back then, in the consolation game we won. We lost the first game to TCNJ, and then we won the second game. What was that feeling like? I mean, you'd won before, but this was the first time at the the head of a program. That's special. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a relief. It was, you know, excitement, proud, all in one. But yeah, it was something that I liked and I knew I wanted to enjoy that feeling more. How would Laura 
the player respond to Laura, the coach? Good question. <laughs> I think I would respond well. I wasn't afraid to, you know, I liked it when my coach got on me. I, I, li- I didn't have a problem with being told, you know, work harder or, or whatever the case may be. So I think Laura, the player, would, would react, you know, just like some of my best players I, I've had that have played for me. I I think, again, I, I try to be honest up front. I want to see kids succeed, you know. I think sometimes that's the biggest problem when you get on a kid. They think, you know— I'm constantly, we're all on the same team. I'm on you for a reason. I'm on to, to make you better. And and I would have liked that. I, I wanted, and, and I felt like my college coach did that. He tried to make me better every day, and that's what I try to do with my players. So I, I think I would have responded fine, yeah. When you're recruiting, you're obviously looking for players that can do X, Y, and Z and players that excel at what you want them to do in your, your system. But how much, to the point, are you looking for the person that's going to respond to you the person that's going to buy in and has that kind of sliding scale of talent and intangibles has it changed as you've been a coach where you maybe realize that you can make do with a little less natural physical talent if the work ethic and the buy-in is higher is that something that's changed in what you look for Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely changed. I mean, obviously you want to look for a good kid and a nice you know, somebody that, you know, you want to coach every day is going to represent your program and your university in the right way. But yeah, it's changed. I mean, we as coaches, I know, talk a lot of times anymore when you're recruiting, you almost look and see how the parents are reacting to the same, you know. So yeah, it's definitely, you got to get the right kid. And yeah, over the years, I would have rather taken a kid that maybe not the most doesn't have the same talent as a kid that is going to be all about herself. I'd rather take a kid with less talent and I can make her better, but she could buy into what we're trying to do. So, yeah, I'm always I'm looking for the kids that want to be team players. They're not about themselves. And obviously every every team's got a kid that's, you know, she's going to be your main scorer. This kid's going to be that. But I want kids that are going to buy in and be team players. And, And that's hard anymore in today's with these kids today. Sometimes you know, they don't always, it's always about them. And over the years, you know, I've had some up and down seasons and some of my worst seasons, I may have had some really talented kids, but they were, they, they didn't care if we won or lost. They just cared about their stats and I can't coach that and you can't win like that. So it's definitely, um, recruiting is, and it's hard because you're only finding out so much about a kid until you really get her every day in front of you. So it's, it's been an up and down through recruiting. I've had great kids, and then sometimes every now and then you have – it just doesn't work out. But you definitely got to look for the, the kid that's going to buy into what you're doing. How long did it take you to really feel like you had your arms around being a head coach? And I don't mean winning season successful, but I mean where you felt confident that you not only knew the lay of the land of what goes into it, but that you were going to be able to take whatever came your way. Was it immediate or did it take a few years? I think it took me a few years. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it took me a few years, you know, especially till we got competitive. Like my first year there again, I didn't I didn't have a chance to recruit anybody. So I was still kind of figuring things out. But then once I, I got that first group of, you know, Elisa, Lauren, Chris, that we were we had pretty good crew there. I think that's when I kind of realized that I can do this and I can run the whole program and not only be their coach on the court, but I was also their mentor off the court and helping them be better people and stuff like that. And and because that's important to me, I I don't want to just coach them on the court. I want to make sure that they know I was always there for them off the court. And I believe most of them knew that. Yeah. Did your playing career at Del Val give you street cred 
with the kids that came into the program that you could point to a banner or point to the record book and say? I think so. Early on. So when I was first coaching and I was younger, I, I would, you know, back when I, I could, I could play some of them one-on-one and beat them. So as I got older, I, obviously I don't play anybody now. But yeah, I, I think what I did, you know, being in our Hall of Fame, I was just a couple years ago inducted into the um, Conference Hall of Fame. So even my current players see that plaque out, you know, in our lobby. So they know that I could play. Yeah. What is your favorite part of being a coach? Is it practice? Is it games? Is it getting to know the kids? A combination of everything. But if you had to kind of put a depth chart of the things you love about your job, what would be at the top? It's a good question. I do think the biggest thing for me are the relationships that I've built over the years, watching kids come in and watching them grow for four years. I think I take so much pride in that. You know, you see them come in as freshmen and they're like babies. And then by the time they leave as seniors, you know, they're young women. So I think that that's kind of what I enjoy the most are the relationships. And then I do love, you know, experiencing a good win in the locker room with with your team and stuff like that. I do enjoy practice every day. I, I do enjoy. And again, you've got to have a group of girls that you want to go into practice with. And um, thank God I feel that this year and I felt it the last couple. But, you know, again, when you're doing it as long as I've been doing it, you have some ups and downs years. But the game time, the competition, you know, I'm competitive. I, I love that. But I think if I had to pick one thing, it would be the relationships that I've built over the years. And to see a lot of my players who played for me go on and coach, I'm very excited about too. I love watching, you know, Elisa, Jackie, all the, you know, the other girls coach. So that's that's been a nice reward for me as well. When you talk about that coaching tree and Jackie, Jackie Hartzell, and I know you've got other players, when did you realize you kind of had a coaching tree? Like, was there a moment when you kind of looked around and you realized that two teams were playing and you had coached yeah, both right. of the head coaches, stuff like that. Like, was there a, a moment where it kind of clicked? Like, wow, now that I think about it, that's really something. Um, I'm not so sure I looked at it as a tree. I just know that, you know, Elisa coached with me for a little bit and then, um, you know, landed Widener. Jackie, you know, did high school and then obviously at the sciences. And even for the two of them, like two of my closest friends, we talk all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I just and then even there's a lot of girls that are coaching in high school. So I'm not sure I I would name it like a tree, but I just I guess there's a part of me that feels like at least I know that the four years they played college for me when their years were over, they didn't hate the sport. They wanted to keep it in their life. And that's what I try to do all the time. I don't want kids graduating and being like, oh, I'm so glad basketball's over and they never keep it. And I feel like I do something in my program that these so many girls, when they graduate, want to still go on and keep the game of basketball in their life. And, you know, but again, Jackie and, and Elisa, we, we talk all the time. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jennifer McCarthy, who I I know yes, played yes. for you, who was a longtime assistant at Jefferson, now coaching. And yeah, she got tortured by Tom for a couple of years, and then, yeah, she decided to. And yeah. she's, a, she's a good friend, and yes. I don't want to get an angry text. How could you not mention me when you're talking to Laura? Uh, mention you came to Del Val 96, and you've been there ever since. I don't think anybody, especially, you know, late 20s, early 30s, takes a job for the most part thinking, oh, I'm going to be here for the – this is where I want to plant the flag. But – was there a, a cognizant moment in your career where you kind of thought, hey, if things work out, if, you know, all things being equal, I would like to stay here? Or was it kind of one of those where, wow, I've been here five years. Wow, 10 years. I can't believe I've been coaching here 15 years. Like, how, which which path would, would you say it was? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when I first started, you know, I was single. I wasn't sure. And we I found a little early success. 
I was happy there. So there were times early in my career that I thought, I don't know if I'll stay here. Maybe I'll look to see something else. And then, you know, I got married and had kids. And then it was just, it was the best of both worlds for me. You know, I could still spend time with my children and still do what I love to do. And then we just love the area of Doylestown. So it kind of worked. But yeah, I do think there was a time that I did say to my, my God, I've been here 15 years or, oh my God, now it's 20. And, but it, it just, yeah, it worked out. But I, I don't, I can't say that when I got the job, I thought either way, I got to get out of here. I got to stay here. It just kind of, that's how it kind of happened, I guess. What are some of your favorite coaching memories from a game standpoint? Kind of like when you think of your career, what are the first things that come to mind? Specific games yeah, that I remember. Or, or yeah, moments like. Yeah, I, well, I definitely think when I had Elisa, she might have been a might have been her first year with me or whatever, and Scranton was coming into town and they were ranked fourth. And so I had made a bet with the girls. They were all joking. I said, oh, well, if we beat Scranton, I'll get a tattoo. So here we go and beat Scranton and they you know needless to say I didn't get the tattoo but but that win against Scranton was really good um I had a, I remember we were at the sales one time at the end of the game and um we were down and Kristen we were in the huddle and we you know we were drawing something up and Kristen Henry said I want the ball and we ran something and she hit a three in the corner and we won a game Erin Anastasi we were at the sales again down and Aaron, you know, comes down and hits a shot. So, you know, some of those close games that, you know, you draw something up and your player comes out and does what you need them to do and makes the shot. But, um, yeah, mostly those, the conference games were, you know, with DeSales when Elisa played, Kristen and them. So, yeah, a lot of those memories are are always in the back of my mind, yeah. Love to win or hate to lose, which resonates with you more? I think I'm a little of both, to be honest, but um, I love to win. (laughs) Yeah, I do love to win. It's there's nothing like a a win, you know. But I'm also miserable when we lose. <laughs> I can be a real bitch, you know. So <laughs> a little bit of both. Do you feel like kids have changed, or has what's available to kids changed when you talk social media and with basketball? You know, AAU like there's so many layers to to stuff yeah. now. Do you feel like at their core the kids are the same, or do you feel like kids are different now? No, I think they're different, and I'll probably have to watch what I say. <laughs> I won't go too much into it, but yeah, I just they're different. They're different. You know, I, I just think kids struggle a little bit with taking accountability anymore. And uh, again, I'm a little old school. I'm big on accountability. You know, I know they love the social media. Again, I'm a little old school with that. But like, you know, even when we go on a bus trip, I try to get the girls, everybody put your phone down and, you know, have a conversation with each other because they will text two seats up and Mm -hmm. ask her to pass me a drink or something. So just even in trying to have team meetings over the years, if you, you know, you try to put your team and make them talk to each other, they, it takes them a while to be able to look at each other and have a conversation. Now, they can rip each other or say whatever they want when they're text or on the phone. So that part of it's changed. You know, years ago when I first started, you didn't have all of that. So you could be face-to-face and you had more of that just accountability. I just think kids, they don't want to be accountable anymore in, in what I see anyway. But yeah, there's definitely, they've changed. I mean, I think the game's gotten bigger and, the you know, the kids are talented, but I just sometimes I question, you know, is the work ethic the same or, you know, they're just sometimes I think the social media and stuff is more distracting than than helpful. But that's just my opinion. Does how you measure success, has it changed over the years? I mean, success in a grand sense. I don't mean, well, we won 21. We won 20 games. So 
But right. like how you look overall at things, what you're looking for and the boxes to check, have they changed over the years? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, you know, when you're younger and just starting out, nothing mattered but recruiting and winning in DelVal women's basketball. That was the only thing that mattered. I went to work every day and, you know, I wasn't really that concerned with how the men's team was doing, how field hockey, you know, I was – just me. And that was all that mattered. And then I, I just, I guess as you get older and, and you mature a little bit more, you see the whole picture. It's, you know, it's not all about me. It's not all about my program. But, and then again, I just really think it's making sure that I'm treating people the right way and that I do things the right way. And I want these kids to succeed on and off the court. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I I measure my success is is, again, all these relationships and all these kids that stay in touch with me and, you know, invite me to their weddings and just watching all these these great kids go on and do things. So for me, that's kind of what I look at. But yeah, it's changed over the years, definitely. If you were to come out of high school now, would you be a better player, a worse player? When it comes to what the game has become, would your game be a perfect fit? Would you have to be Hmm. a different type of player? How would you... How would you kind of rate it? That's a good question. I think I'd probably come out a better player just because I think there's so many more opportunities for kids today than when I had. You know, you pretty much only played for your high school team. And AAU was kind of just starting Mm -hmm. and just getting big then. So, you know, with now, I just think so many more opportunities. These kids are playing so much more that – if I was playing that much more, I'd probably be a little bit of a better player. But I, do, I think I'd be who I am, and I, I think I would be able to handle, you know, whatever coach asks of me, I'd be able to get it done. With what women's basketball has become, and I don't just mean at Delva, I don't mean in college, I mean where ESPN Sports Center is leading with WNBA playoff highlights. And I think 15 years ago, that it wouldn't even be in the conversation. Right. What has it been like to just see how the game has grown almost exponentially year to year. Oh, it's exciting. It's great. It's great for the game. It's great. You know, again, I don't think years ago my players, Division Three players, were really watching Division One games, you know. But now to hear my own team talking about the different college players of D1 schools and even the – you know, like just that is just great for the – you know, it's just grown so much. So – um yeah, it's just it's been amazing and it it's been great for the kids. It's good for the the young girls to kind of be able to look at all these role models and all these D1 players and they show you, you know, how hard they work and stuff like that. So, just the conversation of my team talking about players like Caitlin Clark and all of that and and even local girls from Villanova and all of that. I just think it's it's awesome because you really didn't have that 15 years ago, say, you know. So, yeah, it's been nice. Is it all as much fun as it was when you started coaching? Is Is it? It is. And the day that it's not is the day I'll I'll step down. But no, uh, I'll get nervous for every game. I'll I'll be, you know, pitting my stomach all day. And, you know, when that goes away, then I know it's time. But for me, no, one of our eight days is this afternoon and I can't wait to get back and and get in the gym with the girls. But again, it it always it it matters so much. The group you got, you got to have a good group that you want to go into every day and that they buy in. And and I'm fortunate. I'm lucky. I've, I've been I've been blessed over the years with such great kids. Laura Hogan, thanks so much. This was a ton of fun. Thank you. 
And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Laura Hogan, head women's basketball coach at Division Three Delaware Valley University, for being our guest this week. And a special thanks for coming in studio. Now, if you like this show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at One on One Pod. You can follow me on there as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week. When we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.